What's up, guys? Ben the Bane Davis here, lead play-by-play -play commentator for APFC, Uriah Faber's A1 Combat on UFC Fight Pass. Pro bowling, pro boxing, got it all locked and loaded, but you better be listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters, best in the business. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Scout, collect, and trade officially licensed digital player cards. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. Yes, SoRare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. That's something that's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved, get in the game, get some cards, and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? You just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too, but at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because Process Podcasters, we know our thing, but so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes, and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host, Justin Williams. And you know, I'm never alone. These dark winter days we call... I'm with the man, the myth, the legend, the one that makes me sound so good, the one that knows everything about NFTs. And please, ladies and gentlemen, go to our website, prosportspodcasters.com. Join for our monthly newsletter where this guy gives you an article about how to make money off NFTs. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Colbert Durand. Kobe, how you doing? Guy, another week, another limited, so rare NBA NFT in the bag. Luke Cornett, you are the man. That's it. I just pulled Luke Cornett after you did, and I'm like, I hope he has another good game because otherwise he's just like a bench player. Yeah, but. man. When he's costing you eight and he's putting up 32, hello. Oh, I love it. Like, that's what, uh, what happened last year near the end, just before the playoffs. Uh, Trailblazers started posting a bunch of, like, random players that were just zeros all across the board or, like, one and putting up, like, 52 points. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how? <laughs> but also, whoever has that, congrats, I guess. You're zero to a hundred real quick. I don't even know. But anyways, Mr. Kobe, uh, before we get started to interview uh, to our fans, uh, thank you so much for the 10,000 followers on uh, Instagram. We love you so much for the love of baby Jesus and everything holy in this world. Please start commenting on our, uh, on our Apple iTunes stuff. We get it everywhere else. We love you for that. Thank you so much. But you seem to neglect Apple. I get it. Fight the power, but also show your boys some love because we need it. Uh, but one person who needs no love in this world, he's kind of a bit of a dark man, as we discussed earlier. Not actually. He's a play-by-play -play commentator for some form of MFA. He'll talk about that later. And he's a boxer. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Ben Davis. Ben? Hey. 
I'm fantastic, guys. Super pumped to be here. I wouldn't, listen, I wouldn't call myself a boxer just because you cut someone's hair once doesn't make you a barber. You know what I'm saying? So um, <laughs> I, I got in there, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't define myself as one. Listen, I've never been in the ring. To me, you're a boxing legend now. They're going to make a plaque outside <laughs> of Scotiabank Arena for you. It'll be like, you'll be like our equivalent to Rocky. Like, we'll just run around praising you, even though, like, Technically, he never existed, but Philadelphia doesn't want to admit that. I don't know. It's a weird cult thing going on, but we won't get into that. So, Ben, let's start from the origin roots. How did you get to where you are now? Gosh, what a big question. Certainly not open-ended at all. Um, It's been a long journey. So I would say within the combat sports industry, I've been really hammering away for the last four years. When I was studying finance at ASU, during my junior year, I was like, yeah, this, uh, this kind of blows. I'm not going to be pumped if my life is uh, heading into a, a business direction. Just didn't love anything about it, right? The extracurriculars, the internships I had, you know, the people. So I figured I'd pivot, and I was like, well, I'm interested in combat sports. So began posting a lot of stuff on Twitter, and the ball was rolling there. And then I got into media and was doing a lot of reporting, some on-site coverage, interviewing found that there was a pretty fixed ceiling on what you could do in that position and recognize that, you know, I've got a little bit more to offer than just, hey, how's fight camp going? Oh, you're training with this person. Tell me about that, right? So I figured I would pivot further and um, was able to get some some good networking and opportunities. And hey, once the snowball gets going, it kind of takes on a life of its own. Damn right it does. How was that boxing thing? Because you said you, you did it one time. Like, what happened? Was it like a, like a dare? Did you lose a bet? Like, what's going on with that? No, yeah. So I fought on Misfits 9, which uh, if you guys know, like KSI, that's his promotion uh, on DAZN, and faced off against Anderson Silva's son, Gabe. So Anderson's got two kids, Khalil and Gabe. Uh, Khalil is like an 8-0, 9-0 super middleweight or something. Gabe, he, that was his second boxing match. Um, I've got no combat sports experience. I trained a bit uh, while at ASU and uh, here in AZ. We've got Fight Ready in the lab, which uh, are some great gyms, and I've definitely tried to, but with my schedule, can't. But either way, I would try to get an influencer boxing because the, the broadcasting opportunity there is great, and working with DAZN, I mean, it's a big streaming platform. But for months, wasn't really able to crack into anything or make any good relationships. And then I was uh, in New York for PFL, and a buddy of mine was like, hey, I'll just text Mams, who owns – and uh, is the promoter for Misfits. And he was like, well, we'll just get you sorted that way. And I was like, well, why the fuck didn't we do that a while ago? But either way, later that night, got a message. And then the next day, I had a fight against Gabe Silva in three weeks. So, yeah. Wow. That's that's just like falling uphill at this point. Oh, my gosh. A little gosh. bit. Yeah. Kind of calculated. Uh, <laughs> but certainly not the uh, opponent. But everyone was turning him down, right? Nobody wanted to fight Anderson's kid. So I was like, I'll do it. I mean, why not? Now you're synonymous, and that plaque will be coming at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, or bronze statue. So, would you ever step back into the ring again for boxing? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. You know, the um, fight week itself was just a unique experience, right? It's a very cool chapter. And with the amount of, you know, promotion that they do, I mean, influencer boxing, it's all about the marketing side of it. And I've got a lot of fun with that. And, you know, that, that, experience i definitely love to get that going again and get a win you know um i think that's the other thing it'd be nice to get the hand raised uh and kind of fight someone that's a step back in competition than a dude who's been training for quite literally 25 years 
Yeah, I mean, that was almost the McGregor and Floyd Money Mayweather kind of combat situation there, where Connor's like, I can come beat you, and I'm only going to train for like six months. And then Floyd's like, eh, no, but hmm. not actually. Yeah, quick shout out to the lab, Benson and Maria Henderson, friends of the show. Benson, I think you got robbed in your debut performance at Karate Combat. That's for another show. Now, now, Ben, why play-by-play? So if you guys know like sports broadcasting, there's two roles within the booth, right? It's play-by-play and color. And yep. because I'm not a former active athlete, then there's no point uh, to do color commentary. And so play-by-play naturally is what I can fit myself into. I've got a good acting background, did some sports broadcasting in, in high school and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I feel like it's just a great blend of what I'm good at, you know, um, and it's it's an opportunity to get deeper involved with kind of the sport that I really do have a passion for. Now, I don't just do combat sports these days. Uh, I do play-by-play for pro bowling, so Bowl TV, which is, is kind of the home of pro bowling. I work for them. I've got a sumo show that I do, and then hopefully with the Misfits Boxing, there'll be a lot more boxing shows I can get in on top of the, the MMA work. Now, how much like how much study <clears throat> is required before an event? It really varies, man, because, you know, I've called some really low-level regional fights, and with those guys, there's quite literally nothing on the internet about them, right? If you're, if you're making an amateur debut, have fun getting anything on Tapology or Google. So I would say the higher you go, the more there is to study, but what I try and do the most is get some personal information, some background on them that I can find. I will watch their last fight just so I can educate myself on, okay, you know, you're, you're as good as your last fight. I think that's what the saying is, right? And so get an idea of that. But the meat of it, I mean, the bulk of what I leverage in the booth is getting the chance to sit down with the athlete. That's when I, when I get my one-on-ones for the broadcast, um, that's really where I'll get all of my questions in. And for me as a play-by-play, I just like to build a narrative. I just like building a story and weaving that. And uh, I can only really get that by chatting and communicating with the, uh, the fighter themselves. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd say that's the harder of the two roles, really. I mean, color, you, yeah. you can bullshit all day, no no problem whatsoever. But with the play-by-play, you got to be pretty factual. And so how has your, your knowledge of MMA developed over the years? Um, I mean, I would say leaps and bounds, right, just by proximity, you know, in terms of watching more, the training that I have done, um, obviously competing myself, that all just builds different layers, I would say, to my approach. Um I, I would say the biggest thing about play-by-play that people don't understand is I'm half yeah, half being the storyteller, half leading the broadcast, but a lot of the work is also facilitating the booth, teeing up my color guys and um, basically throwing to them as much as I can. It, you know, I, I work with Bilal Muhammad at APFC, and so I'm saying, hey, he's deep in on a takedown. Bilal, how does he secure it? You know, And that type of throwing, that's really where I think um, – I excel at. And, and so that's almost one thing where it's like, okay, you could have minimal knowledge on something, but if you just know <laughs> kind of the ins and outs of, all right, I know this guy's good at that. And I can based on my, my surface level understanding of that move. Okay. I'm just going to throw to him because I, I can tell that's what he's good at. Um, if that makes sense. But with that, with everything, like I, I that's the reason I'm doing bowling as well is because I'm like, well, I don't have to be just a combat sports play by play. I can do play by play for anything. Okay, now you, you mentioned APFC, you mentioned Anthony Pettis' promotion. Where do you say that sits in the kind of hierarchy of MMA promotions? 
That's great. It's a really fantastic regional show. I think we do a, a really solid job of matchmaking. We've got Johnny Yanchuk, who did a lot of work in Europe. Now he's crushing it in the Midwest, finding good prospects um, and, and, and putting together entertaining fights. There are very few not entertaining fights on an APFC show. And the biggest thing that I love about it is there's a lot of fair fights. One of my big gripes with some regional promotions is that you know, you'd have a guy come in and then he just steamrolls his opponent. And it's obviously a mismatch. They're obviously trying to build somebody. Um, but with APFC, you, you don't get that, man. I mean, we had one kid who fought, um, I think, four or five times. Like, he was he was seriously a staple of APFC. And we put him against a dude. It was the guy's first APFC fight. And the staple lost. Got outworked over the course of three rounds. So you're, there's not any layups at APFC, which I love. And, um, you know, obviously when you're calling fights with Bilal Muhammad, Jason Anik, John Anik's twin brother, Frank Mir, uh, you've got Pettis bringing in Chris Angel, Nate Diaz, Ayer Rodriguez. Like, it's, it is, I would say, one of the coolest regional promotions. And, you know, it doesn't, doesn't hurt that it's on Fight Pass, right? Yeah, and it's so, like I was going to say, if someone wants to tune into this, you're on Fight Pass. Is there anywhere else they can check out some of the action? Yeah, so I do uh, Uriah Faber's promotion as well, A1 Combat out in California, which is also on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, I think the next show that they've got is February 23rd, so make sure you tune in there. Obviously, my at, Ben the Bane Davis, on, on all platforms is the main place to catch everything. But um, yeah, those are the two. At this point, I used to do a little bit more MMA work, but those are the two ones that I focus on now. Okay, and when you're doing play-by-play, -play, are you allowed to be a fan? Um, in, in what way? <laughs> so you ever have yourself in a situation where you're maybe be watching one of your favorite fighters and you're the one doing the play-by-play -play? i mean i've called my friends getting knocked out before yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no here's the thing is again on on the lower level the regional scene i do a show down in columbia right and there's only a, a, a one really big promotion in columbia and so you get to know all the guys every time you go down there and yeah i've called their wins called their losses and it's always right down the center and unbiased as much as it might hurt internally if, I, if I'm close to somebody and want them to win. But you can't really have that really materialize in the booth. I, I just don't think that's professional. All right. Fair enough. Yes, I fully agree. Very unprofessional to be biased. Not like we would ever be at all on the show. Never. Never once. It's hey, it's fine it, on the show. Listen, on a podcast, it's fine. I'll tell you all about my favorites here. But you know, if, I'm, if I've got a, a UFC fight pass mic in my hand, the last thing you're going to hear is me going, "Go, knock him out!" Like that's no. <laughs> I don't know. Try it sometimes. See what happens, and let us know the results. <laughs> um, so obviously, aside from like showing bias, is there anything else that you that you were kind of worried about when when you're on the mic? We've had some people kind of mention. I'm not going to name names, but they have mentioned before for various podcast, not podcasts, but various whatever it is that when they get onto the hot mic, as they say, that sometimes a, a profanity might slip out or any sort of uncolorful language. Very few, yeah, instances of that. I think like I've only said on a broadcast like any bad language, like once or twice. I did Fight Circus out in Phuket, Thailand once. And oh, um, that's the only show that I was completely hammered for because I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> what? I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you why. So the, the show itself does not take it seriously, right? It's meant to be, it's, it's in the name. It's a circus. We have a, a tarp on the canvas. We lubed it up with jelly and we're having two heavyweights box each other. They're slipping and sliding around, right? That was one of like, 
15 unbelievably unconventional fights. So myself and the other broadcasters were like, yeah, let's just grab some drinks and have a good time, um, which is the intention of the show. But on like a traditional broadcast, no, yeah, you, you, you got to really lock in. I've got about seven years on an improv troupe, which has been very valuable in terms of being on the spot, having to think on my feet, having to monitor what I say on my feet. I get that there's some people where – in times of, oh, I need a crutch, I don't know what to say, they'll just let like a fuck slip or, you know, something like that. But, you know, with, with my experience and background, it just doesn't, no. Doesn't suit you, eh? Well, it just doesn't come out, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's exactly. the mouth of a sailor off, uh, off air, but on air, you know, it's like I said, you got to tighten it up. So the weird thing is to kind of almost share this dance with you, if you will. Mm. As a stand-up comedian, like I'll cuss on stage if I need to, but only when it's appropriate, like when it's apropos versus when it's just kind of for the sake of feeling dead air, if you will. Yeah. Then I'm I'm a teacher now, but there was that brief moment where when I'm in front of the class, it's almost like a stage. And instead of using like an F word, I have to substitute something. And now those substitutions have made its way onto the stage for me and even for podcasting. Like instead of saying, holy shit, I'll say like, holy hamsters or something. And for some reason, they'll like resonate with people a little more. It's just out of the blue and random, yeah. but also like, so I kind of get that. But where I feel like I would struggle personally and so much credit to you is I, I would start giggling at like the dumbest thing during a fight, even though it's like so intense. And I'll be like, huh, that was weird. Like, I don't know, like, it would just be so bad, like so unprofessional. I don't know how you wouldn't giggle at something, but I mean, kudos to you for being more professional than I am. I mean, I, so that, I wouldn't say that like laughter is necessarily unprofessional. Obviously, it depends on what you're laughing, laughing at. But, um, you know, for instance, I just called Misfits 12 in Leeds, England two days ago um, on DAZN with Todd Grisham, who is a legend uh, as a play-by-play commentator. And there's a lot of laughing in the booth, right? You're, you're trying to have a good time. If you're not having a good time in the booth, then the audience probably isn't having a good time watching it back home, right? Um, but kind of the, 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 one of the points of what you're saying is it's all about timing. You know, it's all about timing it properly and, um, yeah. So what advice would you give for somebody who's trying to get into this play-by-play action? <clears throat> the best advice I could give is start very small. You know, I began with eSports initially, so I did the smallest eSports uh, like UFC org and then worked up to the UFC's affiliated eSports league, which, again, is not very big. No one's heard of it because the eSports scene for MMA is tiny <laughs> um, but work, worked up to that and then took that tape and uh, shopped it to a, a small sh- local show here in Arizona which again is very small um, and they they had just fired their commentators like the week before funnily enough and they were like sure why not um, so I went in and to give you kind of a sense of scale the Wayans were at a pizza shop so like, <laughs> clearly it's not, you know, it's not the UFC. It's not PFL, <laughs> LFA, anything too crazy. Um, but started there and just continued to shop things around, just continued to get reps. And, um, you know, thankfully, like the Twitter audience that I have is pretty sizable and, and have leveraged that. Um, and through the year and change that I did the reporting and on-site coverage, I had a lot of great connections and a good network. So I do think it's valuable to do that reporting aspect and to, to write articles and interview the athletes and whatnot, if nothing other than to maybe meet some people that can help you if you are interested in broadcasting. Well, I think Kobe would be amazing at it out of the three of us. He's been around MMA longer than I have. 
and like, like when we're sitting together like watching at his place he'll just start dropping random facts and knowledge to the point where it's almost annoying but it's it's interesting <laughs> so i feel like i feel like kobe would have a better shot of being a commentator than most people what I'm wondering though is so how, how do you end up on a show in Phuket? Do you have an agent, or is this just entirely based on reputation, or are you searching these things out? It's I, I'm self-represented. Um, I've got some people that have asked to uh, represent me, but again, I'm like, uh, don't really need it right now. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of word of mouth, and um, you know, I, I know one of the investors in Fight Circus really well. He's a good buddy of mine. And uh, after the fight with Gabe, literally like eight days after, they had a show. And so he was like, it'd be kind of funny if you went right from your fight uh, to Fight Circus. And I was like, yeah, that would be kind of funny. So I got back from uh, – the fight was in Newcastle. So I got back to Phoenix, and then I was here for less than 10 hours and then flew to Phuket, which is like a 30-hour travel schedule and uh, spent that fight week doing the, the Fight Circus stuff. But no, like with – you know. APFC and, and Faber, the, the UFC Fight Pass work, it's just the network and, and knowing the people that, oh, hey, they need a play-by-play. Oh, we know Ben. That's how 90% of everything works out, regardless of industry, right? So just – and a lot of luck. I won't I, – I can't say that like, oh, it's completely self. Like there's so much fucking luck involved. And like I said, this is my fourth year um, really working in, in, in the industry and thankfully over the last year and change, it's all kind of come together. Are you making enough money at this or does it require a side side hustle? I make enough money doing this, yeah. Right on, right on. Good for you, man. Good for you, buddy. That's it's not an easy thing to get into by far, and there aren't that many of you. No, no, not at all. You know, it's it's a very, very specific niche pursuit, and there is a lot of kind of carving your own way but that's additionally why i'm like okay i can't just do mixed martial arts or combat sports i think it'd be in my best interest to just approach things as a play-by-play commentator and you know see it through that lens as opposed to just mma play-by-play i'm going to put you on the spot here if it's too political and you don't want to give an answer that's fine but who's been your best teammate in the booth Oh, that's a good. Uh, what too political? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> there's this. There's this guy. He is an he, a head instructor over at a Tiger Showman's out in New York. His name's Sensei James Leonelli. Him and I worked together on Flex Fight Series, which is New York's biggest mixed martial arts promotion. Um, I did probably like eight or nine shows with him. He is, I would say, the favorite guy that I've gotten the chance to work with because. The blend that him and I have, the humor that he brings, the technical knowledge, the, and it's the, it's the little things about James that I loved. You know, when he was talking about how fighters would enter and exit the pocket, one of his big things was paying the tax. You got to pay the toll, right? When someone's getting in on you, you got to tag them with something and pay the toll. And I just, I love little phrases like that um, because it just elevates and, and adds, adds so many more layers. So I do miss working with him, but I'll say that, yeah, Sensei James, that was always up there. And do you have like a library of your work now of these different events that you've actually, you know, called? Like, do you have all it on tape? I mean, I can access um, access most of them, and I've got like a sizzle reel that I update periodically, you know, with instances of of my work. But um, no, the only thing that I got, and I actually I put this together recently, was like a resume of sorts that just logged every show that I've done. That was a couple of weeks ago that I kind of compiled everything because I was interested. I was applying to. Uh, it's going to sound stupid to you guys, but one day I would love to commentate at the Olympic Games and uh, call something, write something there. 
And so they had an application online for Paris, because obviously that's, that's where it's going to be this year. So I applied, and it was like, okay, you need a resume. And I was like, fuck. So I put one together <laughs> and, 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 like, compiled every show I'd done. And, Circus MMA, yeah. Well, no, I didn't put that one on there. <laughs> <laughs> only, only the good ones, right? Um, no, that's awesome. <laughs> Guy, I, I would love to do the play-by-play at anything Olympics. Could be javelin. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> right? Give me the curling, dog. Yeah, like, hook me up. Hey, cur- curling's huge in Canada. We're Canadian, so it's big here. Oh, curling no, would yeah. be like a real feather in our cap, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's right. a big deal here, man. It's got tournament hard, so I'll knock it, right? Yeah, but, we so, love it here. <laughs> right? But, hey, I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of curling. I'm a big fan of curling. Right on. So, okay, so what, where, and when your first MMA event that you called? First one I called was, um, it was that low-level AZ one called Rage in the Cage on October 14th of 2022. Uh, that was the first in-person mixed martial arts uh, event that I'd, I'd gotten to call. And the funny story from that one that I remember is a heavyweight. His name was Josh the Juggernaut Poliquin. And he shows up to the weigh-ins, which again are at a literal pizza place, wearing <laughs> a, he's got, he's got like a black robe on and he's got um, a chain. And on the chain is this Wolverine comic book that he'd gotten graded. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just the goofiest look of all time. And he's like 6'5" and a ginger and he had glasses on and like a ginger mustache. I'm trying to, I'm trying to build this guy. He's a, a kooky cat. Right. And I'm talking to him and sitting down and he's like, I'm going to be the next, you know, big thing at the UFC. And, you know, I'm going to get that UFC heavyweight championship and huge aspirations for the lowest level regional show you could possibly compete at. Right. And the next day, you know, fight starts and the first punch he gets knocked out with. It was an eight second <laughs> knockout. And I don't think the juggernauts fought since. And it's tough because like I like I liked his energy. Um, <laughs> but me and my dad will 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 laugh about that sometimes. Right on, right on. Was the pizza place a sponsor of the show, or was it like just some guy who knew some guy and it's like, dude, we need a spot? I think it was I think it was the latter. I don't think they were sponsored. No. <laughs> That's such <laughs> a just, missed opportunity. How do you, how do you make uh, weight in a pizza parlor? I don't get it. And it doesn't sponsor. <laughs> well, to be fair, the size of Rage in the Cage and like the lack of um, you know, presence that they had, I don't think anyone would really be jumping to sponsor, you know. It's it, it's not even around anymore. It's been dissolved as a promotion. So I mean, Rage in the Cage also kind of sounds like a WWF like video <laughs> game back in the early 90s. Like, it wouldn't be now, but it'd be like, WWF, yeah, Rage in the yeah. Cage for N64. <laughs> I don't even know. But anyways, so what was the most... Okay, actually, let me, let me put it this way before I ask you this question. Is there anybody coming up that we should be aware of that you've seen? Ooh, like fighters? Yes, sir. Or, or ring people, whichever you prefer. I would say, um, so down in Columbia, I've gotten the chance to call his last couple of fights. He's 4-0 as a pro. Damn. He's 7-1 as an amateur, all finishes. His name's Juan El Patron Trujillo. And uh, the guy is, he's got every element needed to be a superstar. He, he speaks English and Spanish. Um, great personality. Just insane self-belief. And that's, I think, that's one of the biggest separators between someone that can do well at the regional level and someone that can really make waves at the UFC is do you actually believe that you could be the best in the world? Do you think that you are the number one guy in your weight class? And, you know, credit to so many fighters, but, but very few people have that truly. 
and this guy's is one of them. So I think with a little bit more experience and polishing, um, you know, hopefully he'll be able to keep his rise going. Um, I'm trying to think like stateside fighters that that might have some serious potential. There was a good. Uh, he lost his last fight, admittedly, but uh, at, at the last APFC show, we had this guy named Mataz Izzo Askar. He had a nine-second knockout that we got to call him. First punch he threw, killed the guy. The next APFC show, he's got a title shot. Three-round war. He's tooling the dude up on the feet, but the guy's able to grapple him, wrestle him to the mat, and control him, and ends up ends up losing the belt. I don't know why we're doing three-round title fights. Um, that's <laughs> that's always my question, right? Five fives. That feels like um, the logical thing, but whatever the commission was, uh, they had just decided three three fives. And so Izzo came up short then, but he's so he's such a young guy. He's like 22, 23, and already like I can I can see some potential there. So those two, I'll say, could be next. So in commenting for the first guy, when you're like, he needs a belief, I was like, just like the, the ginger giant did, and then got knocked <laughs> out. So hopefully... If Josh Poliquin, if he just believed a little harder, then... <laughs> That's it. His chin would have gotten tougher, literally. If yeah. he's listening to this podcast for whatever reason, it's all your chin, not you, buddy. Get back in the cage. I want to see you, beautiful man, at UFC. <laughs> Anyways, Ben, before we get you out of here, where can our fans find you on social media? I know you plugged it once, but can you do it again for us? Sure, yeah, at Ben the Bane Davis on uh, all platforms. Twitter's the main one. Uh, I know that everyone's a lot, of, lot, a lot of Instagram heavy people, but if you're on Twitter, then that's the spot. Awesome. I just give you a follow on Instagram, and I'll follow you again on Twitter. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.